This week on the Koshcast. All Chelsea and Ajax do is score in a 4-4 draw. Inter take the lead against Dortmund but can't close the door. And against Slavia Prague, Barcelona are frighteningly poor. We also cast the net wide in a bit of a manager special and talk about which candidates make sense in the vacant positions across Europe. All this, the Premier League action covered, and much, much more. Come with. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and I am joined by the one and only Bernie Uche. Hello, hello Alex. How are you doing today? I am very well, very well. The Champions League has blown my socks off. What about your socks? Um, I, I am both impressed, confused and bewildered <laughs> by the Champions League because I've seen the, fa- the fantastic to the absolutely ridiculous today. Yes, that is a totally fair reaction. So for context, we are recording on Tuesday, the 5th of November. I had to read the date because I didn't know what the date was. Um, and we've just half witnessed Chelsea 4, Ajax 4, Dortmund 3, Inter Milan 2, Liverpool beating Genk. Well, that's nothing to write home about. Um, but two unbelievable comebacks in the first two games I mentioned. Oh, and Barcelona managing to not beat Slavia Prague. So that's, that's also impressive. Uh, what was your, which of these was your favorite today? I think there can only be one. Uh, Lukaku not scoring the big game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely the Chelsea and and Ajax game. What what a what an absolute thriller uh, that thing was. But I, I think for all the wrong reasons, in some well, not for all the wrong reasons, mostly wrong reasons. But we'll we'll, we'll get there. I mean, we've seen a few games recently. What was the other one that we saw last week with Liverpool, Arsenal, and the Carabao Cup? Yeah, it was just completely mental and a lot of fun. And I suppose even better if you're a neutral, uh, which we were in this case. So, I mean, Tammy Abraham own goal after two minutes, Jorginho penalty after four minutes, and then Ajax ran away with it. And it kind of felt like this might be a bit of a, a uh, return to reality for Chelsea after, because uh, they've been on an unbelievable run of results. Yep, uh, absolutely. It's been, it's been a, Great run of results for them. Um, interesting because they beat Ajax in the previous round. And um, I kind of thought, okay, they're at home. This is going to be fine. Mm. But this game was weird. They were blown out the water by Ajax. And, it, you know, we'll get to it. But it just goes to show what a great job Ten Hag has been doing. But also what a great job that Ajax have done of retaining certain players. Like, we all knew Delit was going to go... De Jong was going to go, but um, they retained uh, Ziyech, yep. who, who had oh, wonderful delivery, my God, oh. uh, and Van de Beek as well, and, and, that, and David Neres. So they still have some really exciting players on that team, and they really showed it uh, today against Chelsea. They did. I, I just want to touch on a couple of those guys. Um, Ziyech, like, it was widely known that he had a 25 million euro release clause last summer, which is dirt cheap. Um, and we're kind of t- get, getting towards uh, Bruno Fernandes' uh, territory here. But, like, why did no one buy him? What, what, do, what do they know that we don't? Because on the face of it, it, it seems an absolute no-brainer. So not only – um, like, he had the release clause, but the release clause was, you know, a gentleman's agreement based on last season. He was supposed to go to Roma, and then they decided, no, we're not going to sell you. And he was a little bit upset, and they agreed, no, no, give us one more year. But 
I have a feeling he was swayed by, um, you know, the, the Champions League and their run and maybe just wanted another go. Uh, I think he's kind of proof, perhaps, that if you're at a club that you really and you really enjoy what you're doing at that club, you know, maybe money's not everything. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, when you're a footballer, I suppose what you want is to be competing for titles. I suppose the Eredivisie, like they're all, you know, they're going to win. They're already six points clear after twelve games, but you can't ask for much more than getting to a Champions League semi-final, really. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And and he was critical to that in i mean I'm, i do remember the spurs game he actually did miss a lot of chances but of course the way the guy plays you know he's he's dangerous all the time so um in this particular game uh what happened the first goal was an own goal yeah so you had the free kick that was whipped in and tammy abraham flicked it past his own keeper uh then chelsea got a penalty when um uh oh god pulisic was taken down and Jorginho did his little penalty. Uh, we were discussing this briefly before we started the pod. I don't understand why goalkeepers haven't worked Jorginho's penalty out yet. Yeah, don't move. <laughs> yeah, just like, wait for him to kick it because he, he's only going to dribble it past you. Also, if, if anything, I feel as if part of preparation for a game does not involve uh, preparing for a penalty. Uh, on on both sides, and you know my club has missed like half of his penalties this year, but I, I'm not sure people are practicing taking them, or except for Jorginho probably, or people are practicing saving them because if you practice saving, you know if you're going to play against Chelsea, I go okay. If we if we give away a penalty, uh, how what do you what's Jorginho going to do? I know he's going to hop in front of me and then he's going to try and make me move and then put it away the other side. Like it's not, it's not rocket science here. Just stand up. <laughs> it really isn't. I'm actually fascinated by penalties. I think like growing up um, penalties were a fairly uniform thing. Like there were a couple of different styles. Either people went top corner like Shearer or they went bottom corner like Cantona. And I'm generalizing, but largely that's what people did. It was pretty straightforward. You run up to the ball, you smash it in the corner. Now, there's like 15 different ways people are taking them, and most of them aren't that great. Most of them are, are, are kind of banking on the goalkeeper going the wrong way. And uh, I don't know, I just find it very interesting. Like Jorginho, when he goes up to take the penalty, everyone knows he's going to do the hop, and every time he does the hop, the goalkeeper dives early. And I, like, they must be watching it on the iPad beforehand, no? It's just it's bizarre, it's bizarre to me. It's like just just when when you when you call the penalty, the assistant's job should be to run over and just <laughs> wave his hands frantically, basically communicating, "Do not move, don't don't, move. don't dive until he kicks the ball." Anyway, um, or you know so, what? Have the have um, at that point call someone over to the side, give him a piece of paper, hand to the goalkeeper. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. There wasn't it Lingard uh, on the weekend for United in the one 0 loss to Bournemouth that I won't talk about very much. Uh, he came on the pitch with a piece of paper and started reading it. Yeah, but he read it for like ten minutes. Like, bro, <laughs> what's going on? It probably just said, "Stop being shit." <laughs> <laughs> it's, your social media is awful. It really, it really is. Maybe either he can't read or social can't write or something in between. Um, so after that, like, yeah, Chelsea equalised. But then Ajax ran away with it. Quincy Promise scored a goal. Um, the, the goal of the game probably was uh, Kepa Arizabalaga's face, facing it into his own goal. I mean, there was yeah. really nothing he could have done about it. But yeah, it was very, was... very funny. 
that was hilarious and didn't help uh, certain agendas but yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> no it didn't um and then donny van der beek um who by the way i mean is there a better name than that in football it's got to be up there doesn't it uh i'm gonna think of one but yeah that's pretty good don't even it just rolls off the tongue anyway uh he him with a, a smart finish to make it 4-1 and at that point you think it's over um but then it just descended into absolute chaos as Pilaqueta nicked one back at the far post and then two players sent off in one play in one incident I, I mean I've never seen anything like it I am absolutely furious like we've been going on about VAR for a very long time and this may just have been the worst use of VAR I have ever seen in <laughs> my life like i get the idea of okay there was a foul in the build-up or whatever but let's be honest if there's so what happened was daily blend fouled like i don't know if it was i can't remember who he fouled but he fouled someone in, in, in the lead up to a to a chance yeah and yeah okay sure you can call it a second yell that's fine with me but the referee played advantage and yep. then the, a, sh- a shot came in, I think it was Mount, or, or, but the shot came in and it hit an Ajax player on the arm who wasn't making his body bigger, but, it did, not. Hit, but it did hit his arm. So is it a penalty? I don't know. But <sighs> which foul do you want to call? Because for me, if you give the advantage, right, then you, and, and it leads to a penalty, you've got to pick one. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I get some, some referees you know if it gets advantage and the ball goes out of play they go back and give a yellow card yep. but you can't go about giving a penalty and no. another red card what for what for what was actually just a yellow card offense if at all anything it, yeah like i i'm fine with you giving the penalty and then you can give veltman a yellow card if you want it's not a red card offense. His hands are down by his side. The shot hits him. If you want to give it a penalty, fine. But sending him off is absolutely mental. And what's really <laughs> funny about this is that this comes just after laws were amended whereby if someone goes through on goal, they go around the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper takes them out. It used to be that the keeper would get sent off and the team would get a penalty. They've now changed the rule so that there isn't a double um, punishment. The team will still get the penalty, but the keeper doesn't have to be sent off. Uh, and th- this referee thought, this is, we're not being stringent enough here. I'm going back to the medieval punishment days and sent two players off and gave a penalty, basically reducing Ajax's uh, ability in the game to just defend and, and hope that they could see it out from, from 4-2. And I'm not surprised that they couldn't. Like, sometimes I, I, like, what I ask myself is, do referees in the moment just think, this is going to be ridiculous, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. like, like, at what point does he think, this is kind of stupid? Like, you have to have that thought in your head. I'm he's, just... he's like, hear, hear me out for a second. Bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, bonkers. Um, although, I, I will give Ajax some credit because Chelsea, or Reese James equalized 74 minutes and then Chelsea had like another 15 or 20 minutes probably with injury time to to win it 
against nine men and, and Ajax held out. So, you know, good for them. Well, they, they barely did because Chelsea had the goal ruled out by the VAR True. Uh, for a Tammy Abraham handball, which by the loss of this particular game, he should have been sent off. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this game was too crazy. It really was. I also, I, I kind of knew this in the back of my head, but Klaus-Jan Huntelaar plays for Ajax again, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah. It's uh, it must be twenty years this man's been playing football. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, he just stands in the box and heads it, so it's fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Um. So that's Ajax and uh, and Chelsea, and they both have some young, promising managers who we will get back to in a little bit. But let's talk briefly about Dortmund Inter because this was another dramatic turnaround. Yeah, this one is interesting for me because so for for context, I do this thing where Inter are playing. And when I get, uh, when I check, uh, I use this app Forza, and this is not a um, endorsement Plug. of any kind. It's just better than FOTMOB. But I, I use that, and uh, I saw uh, Inter Milan one nil. And what I do is I open it up and I just check for a did Lukaku score, because <laughs> <laughs> I know what the Twitter the Twitter agenda is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he didn't score, and I go, oh, thank God, I can enjoy Inter Milan. I mean, he uh, still has more goals than Manchester United, doesn't he? Oh, in the last month, yes. <laughs> I think it's something like that. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, I think Lautaro scored. But what was funny about that goal is that in reality, he should have given it to Lukaku to score the goal. <laughs> like, if you've yeah. seen this goal, there was a mix-up in defense, the ball over the top, and then Lautaro has two defenders on him, decides to just barrel towards goal. Lukaku is wide open. As in, I've never seen anyone more open in my life. <laughs> and Lautaro said, nope, I'm not doing that. Smashes it into the net. Ended up being a brilliant goal. But if I was a coach, even though he scored it, I might slap him across the face like in private, just be like, never do that shit again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I mean, maybe Champions League goal bonuses coming into effect here. Like... They're definitely worth more, so maybe that's what he's thinking. I think I think barrel is absolutely the right word there. Lautaro Martinez does a lot of barreling, but he's doing it very well this season. He is. He's having a breakout year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So props to him for that. Uh, then I think I can't remember his name, but uh, Vecino. Vecino, yes, off a assist from Condreva, I think it is. That was a lovely move. I mean, it's all over Twitter, so I, you know I'm sure everyone's seen it by now, but. Lovely, lovely play out from the back. A sweeping move and a great finish. It, w- it was a wonderful goal. And again, I said 2-0. Huh? Who scored? Lukaku? Nope. Nah, okay, we're good. <laughs> I could appreciate it for what it is. Uh, and then I thought, game over. You know, the Conte train rolls along. And by the way, I'm in support of the Conte train. No problem mm-hmm. with that. That's our problem with Lukaku. But anyway, uh, 10 all of a sudden, 3-2 Dortmund. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what's going on here? I was still absorbed by Chelsea Ajax. And then if that wasn't enough, Dortmund had to score three goals to win this game. 3-2. I think it was away from home even. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, this was in Dortmund. Oh, in Dortmund. Okay. Yeah. But even so, I mean, you look at the names on this Inter team and it's not a team that you would think would suffer these kinds of turnarounds. I mean, look at these guys. Godin, De Vrij, Skriniar, Brozovic, Kandreva, Vecino, Barella, Biragi. Like, these aren't kind of wayfish uh, players that you expect to be, to be mentally weak or turned over like this. These are kind of battle-hardened professional players that you'd think would be able to stand up to this kind of test. But Dortmund just came flying back at them. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know what this is because obviously we know Conte and some people you know, think of him as defensive coach probably because he's Italian, but he is well-balanced. However, you know, it, it, would he play a 3-5-2 and sit deep to counterattack away from home? Sure. I mean, sometimes that makes a lot of sense. But this Dortmund team just overwhelmed them. I mean, 21 shots in total, six on target, 62% possession, double the passes um, in this game. Like, they just, there. It, it seems as if there was nothing Inter had to offer. Of course, they did on the counterattack. And um, our friend Rahul uh, Kavapale said that Hakimi has basically ended Odrizola's Real Madrid career without playing for Real Madrid yet. <laughs> no Odrizola, he's barely started. Yeah, uh, Hakimi's been brilliant. And um, also, Thorgan Hazard um, has been brilliant recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Brandt, of course, scored uh, in this game. The, Alex, they played with a front four. And I'll call it, it's a, it's a 4 2 3 1, essentially. But yeah. let's call it a front four of Jaden Sancho, Julian Brandt, Thorgan Hazard, and Mario Götze. No strikers. How the hell did they. So, as a United fan, which we'll get into, this idea mm. of not having a striker and scoring goals. Like, I saw this and I went, God. Like, <laughs> God. Can Peter Bosch just show up here? Like, God. Because clearly, this Lukaku idea is bullshit. If this is what Dortmund can do. But we'll I get mean, there. We'll get there. Bearing in mind that two of those goals came from their right back. You know? <laughs> the, the front floor were just floating around, distracting everyone. <laughs> while Hakimi steamed through or down the right. Although I think that might be... That might be a little indication of how teams can get at Inter because when you're playing that 3-5-2 and you've just got your wing back there, if you double up out there, then there's space and it starts to pull the, the, you know, the wider centre-backs out. So that might be something other teams look at to try and get it into for the rest of the season. But, I mean, amazing result for Dortmund. And I'm not sure, I would have to look at the tables, which I'm trying to do now. Um, I just want to have a look at this group. Um, sorry, just a second. While you do that, what's amazing to me is Paco Alcacer came off the bench. (laughs) I thought he was injured, but he actually showed up in this game. He has a habit of of showing up. Also, low-key, what a good bench Dortmund have. Go on. Paco Alcacer on the bench, Rafael Guerrero on the bench, Lucas Pichak on the bench. Uh, I don't know this Mahmoud Daoud guy. And then I've heard of this Thomas Delaney kid. Yeah. I'm like, huh? It's really not bad. That's not bad. Inter's bench is pretty poor in comparison. I mean, yeah. Sensi came off the bench. That's a good player. Yep. Politano, don't care. Lazaro, don't care. Borja Valero. Wow, okay. Old school. Yeah. Um, so, just pulled it up. After four games, you got Barcelona top with eight. Dortmund second with seven. Inter Milan only with four. And uh, Slavia Prague with two. They might as well not be there. But we were talking on the thread earlier. Mohamed uh, posed a scenario in which um, Barcelona end up in the Europa League if they don't manage to to pull something out in the next couple of games, which is, in their form, quite likely. I mean, they drew 0-0 today with Slavia Prague. As I said, Messi will he'll get them out of jail. That's, that's a fact. You can bet on that. There's no problem. I wouldn't even worry about that one. Okay. I, I mean, 0-0 at home to Slavia Prague. I'm just saying, it's not a great indicator. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I, I'm not even like I've been burnt by Messi way hey, hey, too many times. <laughs> Don't worry about that. That's that's fair. That's fair. Still, games to look out for. Um, 
if Barcelona just 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 follow the hypothetical for a minute, sure. if Barcelona were to to miss out on qualification for the knockout round, would that be it for Valverde? Do you think? It has to be. Absolutely has to be. Um, I actually think he's gotten a lot more stick than he deserves. Um, but this is this is what big clubs do. I mean, we saw Kovac got sacked for three losses or whatever this season mm-hmm. and they're slightly off the pace but yeah so with the champions league being the final frontier not final they won a few times but that's what they they care about you know if you go out and go into the europa league nah man like that, that that's it that, that's he's out and then then the question is who takes a job yeah i mean there's no one really linked with with barcelona it would be a fascinating exercise and they tend to go for the hipster choice um, like no one predicted Valverde when they went for him. Um, so, I mean, it really would be fascinating. The thing with him is that he, he does really well in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep winning the league. They're top of the league right now. I mean, they're joint top with, with Real and, and Real Sociedad. But he keeps winning the league. Eventually, though, even, even if they qualify for the, the Champions League knockout rounds, they're, not very, they're very unlikely to win the Champions League. I still kind of feel like this might be it for him. You know, you know what happens a lot? Um, and I feel like, Kovac in this in this is well was in a similar situation in that they wanted to sack him last year, mm-hmm. right? And then somehow he managed to to stay on and I think win the double. So the fact that he apparently resigned, which I don't really believe, I think they kind of pressured him to resign more than anything else. Um, but it was everyone was just tired of each other, and I think that's what's going to happen with Valverde. I think they're just going to all get tired of each other. And I've seen. Um, I just I literally just typed Valverde replacements into Google, and I've seen uh, Gallardo from River Plate okay. as a, as a name, and that was by Fox Sports. So I don't know how valid that is, um, but the idea is that Messi would like his compatriot, and I was like, well, Messi wanted Tito, and we saw how that worked out. I would not yeah, let Messi choose that. a manager. <laughs> <laughs> we tried that. <laughs> Uh, apparently, Kike Setien, who is the Betis manager. Sure. I mean, he got uh, sacked by Betis, so it's not a great look. I know I know he's good. Uh, well, he got them playing good football, but can Barcelona really take a Betis reject? Uh, I don't know. I know they do that thing where if you've played even five minutes for Barcelona, you're in contention. But True. Uh, I don't think he did, so I, I, don't, I don't see it. Also, Ronaldo.com has an article on top five replacements ronaldo.com <laughs> sorry what? what's what's ronaldo.com it's a football news website <laughs> ronaldo.com <laughs> what well this isn't a bad website to be honest oh my goodness Arsene I mean, Wenger Ten Hag let's see who else they got on ronaldo.com Ronald Koeman come on surely not well Ronald Koeman has been waiting all his life for the Barcelona job it's very uh, well known that that's the one he wants, but really, I mean, I could see Barcelona being stupid enough to do it. But remember, you play for Barcelona, you become the manager. That's how this works. Yes. So maybe he will be. So if you and if you score a few rocket kick free kicks for Barcelona, you you definitely have a have a shout. But even Ronaldo.com have Gallardo as a number one choice. Now this is strange. Sorry, this is going to be my favorite thing all week. Ronaldo.com. 
It's amazing. I think someone probably bought it, like hoping that Cristiano Ronaldo would try to buy it, which is a fairly reasonable assumption given his vanity. Uh, yeah. And then, it, and then it hasn't happened, so they're like, sod it, make it a football website. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Who do you think they should go for, though? Uh, I find that question really hard to answer because I don't know what Barcelona want anymore. If they wanted someone to continue their three kind of Cruyff school tradition, then I don't know. At this point, maybe you are looking at Ten Hag. I don't know that Ten Hag, you know, as, as displayed today, can we say that he's ready for this, this kind of job? It's a huge job with a much more kind of um, multinational and obviously Spanish-speaking squad than he deals with now. I don't think he speaks Spanish, which isn't the be-all and end-all, but it's kind of important. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I'm really not sure. Uh, Pochettino is obviously having problems right now, but in the past has ruled himself out of the Barcelona job anyway due to his links with Espanyol. I can't really see them going for Allegri. They're certainly not going to go for Mourinho. Um, I, I mean, who else is who else is around? Um, it's Ronald Koeman. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be Ronald Koeman. I mean, David Moyes is available. Oh uh, yeah, and the Barcelona killer associate dad. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm 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 with you. I I think Ten Hag is a lot of people's choice for manager. Um, for any club, and um, we'll we'll get to two clubs who I think could really use him. Um, I think he would not be a good fit for Barcelona only because Barcelona don't even treat their own legends well in terms of, you know, managers who are legends. Like Pep achieved so much, but Pep got exhausted by the politics mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Um, Luis Enrique won the treble and was never fully appreciated. Um, you do not have, there's no patience in Barcelona. And I think Ten Hag is a team builder. Um, and I think there are other clubs that need teams built. Uh, Barcelona don't have time for that. Um, so I actually think that Allegri could be a choice for, for Barcelona. I, I think he's a, enough of a departure, um, well, not too dissimilar to Valverde, but defensively more solid, which we know they need. And he's not going to play defensively with Lionel Messi. Like, even he's not that crazy. You know, so no. I, I, I think they need that type of disciplinarian taskmaster um, who, who would be willing to make big, big decisions and make some big calls um, to handle that squad. So I think Allegri would be a good choice. Whether they go for it or not, I don't know. But I think, I think that's where they should go. That's fair. That's fair. I, I wonder, I mean, this has just popped in few seconds and it's not very Barcelona recent years so I think it's unlikely I'm my my brain's just speculating um do you think there's any chance that they could get Guardiola back not before obviously not before the end of this season but do you think there's any chance um considering all this Catalan activism that he's been talking about you know it may not be the craziest idea in the world um but i think that guardiola has one more european job in him before he goes and takes either the spanish national job or you know catalan job just for the hell of it uh and i think that job is probably Paris Saint-Germain to complete this european dynasty thing uh I don't see him going back to barcelona i think why he'll be pulling a zidane like why go back there 
true, but this would be a very, very different Barcelona from the one he left. Like Zidane came back to exactly the same Real Madrid, um, you know, a few months later. This would be a very different situation. PSG is an interesting shout. I mean, Guardiola does love, uh, you know, a corrupt Middle Eastern ownership model. So exactly. Now, one guy I think who could be an interesting shout, and but I think it'd be a terrible idea. But in the vein of, you know, get an old-school Barcelona person in, uh, Mikel Arteta. That's a very interesting idea. It would be terrible, but it'd be fun. It would be terrible for me because I want him to be Arsenal manager. Oh, you, you. <laughs> well, okay, all right, let's, let's explore this. What is your problem? What is your problem with Mikel Arteta? You're just jealous okay. of his hair, aren't you? I got better hair than him. Shut the hell up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, here, here's my problem with Mikhail Tenet. Part of it is personal, and part of it is actually rational. So let me start with the personal. All of you, like, forget Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as him. All of you said, just bring in a legend to do this caretaker role, whatever role at my United, because the legend doesn't make any sense. Now, Mikel Arteta has... 0.00000% managerial experience. And the fact that he just sits there and watches Pep Guardiola uh, conduct training and manage that team is what people think gives him a good shot to be a manager. This, there is no justification for him being a good manager at all. Like, at least, at least, and I'm going, like, at least to the bottom of the barrel, Solskjaer won two league titles in Norway. Like, go, go to Portugal or go to, uh, I don't know, even go to Catalonia and go like go manage something and do something, show us that you can manage a group of players on your own and make big calls before taking a job like Arsenal. Unless you guys literally just want to go out for the ride and just like have yes. some fun and see what happens, even if it goes to hell, which That's by exactly the way, I subscribe to on my end. <laughs> Buddy, this is a dystopian Premier League reality and I'm all for the ride at this point. <laughs> we've we've seen the so-called sensible appointment and it's been absolutely horrendous that's what so, i told you and you got on my back for it i don't, <laughs> I don't give a shit about sensible like <laughs> after i've done sensible three times you've only done sensible once you have three more managers to go my friend like, you, you do you have not gotten to the point yet <laughs> all right well uh, since we, we've kind of meandered onto the topic of arsenal just for a second let's talk about uh granite xhaka um, this is, this is going to be a bit of a jazz podcast, a bit freeform. Um, Granit Jack has been stripped of the captaincy. Thoughts? Uh, should never have gotten it in the first place. Agreed. Uh, he's a terrible player. Um, <laughs> Agreed. I mean, over the weekend, you played without him, and it was 1-1, so it shows that you're not good with him, not good without him. Uh, and that was against Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think who was the captain? Ozo was the captain on the day? I think. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So if Ozil and Emery were not uh, having a battle, then Ozil should be captain. Forget about what I think about Ozil and his impact on Arsenal. Ozil should be the captain of Arsenal Football Club. But clearly he's not arsed, and uh, Emery hates him, so that can't happen. Socrates, to me, should be the leader of this team. Um, but uh, no. they've gone for Sorry. Aubameyang. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. Socrates <laughs> is... Absolute lunatic. Are you serious? <laughs> what are you he, talking about? <laughs> he has the emotional stability of Maradona on a night out. Like, <laughs> the man 
scores a goal to go 1-0 up in a Premier League game after six minutes. And he celebrates like he's won the World Cup. You know, not, not bearing in mind that we've lost pretty much every lead we've taken all season. Celebrates like he's won the World Cup. You know, he gets into a tussle with a, with a striker and he loses his head. He elbows people. Like, he's, he's nuts. He's absolutely nuts. He's not leading any... any <laughs> like, we, Bernie, we have five captains. He didn't make it into the top five. Wait, who, who, are, the top, who are the top five? We, so, we, we had Xhaka. Then you've got Aubameyang, Lacazette, Bellerin, Ozil. Okay, so Lacazette hates Emery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ozil hates Emery. Aubameyang's probably indifferent at best. And Bellerin's busy doing other stuff. Like, okay, <laughs> you have no captains. Me. No. What? Okay, what about Leno? My God, why? Why not Leno? He seems like a quiet lad. Do you not have any leaders on this team? I oh. mean... So, okay, this is how bad it's got, right? So, you know, we were talking about the 5-5 with Liverpool and the mm-hmm. penalty shootout. Um, as soon as the penalty shootout finished, uh, the Liverpool players ran off to celebrate. A few of the Arsenal players went to walk off the pitch. Kieran Tierney could be seen in that video trying to get them to come back to clap the fans. And that little act had people calling for him to be captain. So that's, that's the level we're at. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And this is the this is Emery's fault, and one of the reasons why Emery probably has to go. Jaka got the captaincy in a blind vote. Like Emery did not choose his captain. Like, are you are you dumb, bro? Like, like what? <laughs> God, no, he he's got to go. And for me, um, his replacement, I like the idea of a Ten Hag um, because I honestly think Arsenal need to build. I, I and and the board would give someone time. If they were any good. Yeah, I think, I mean, they're already giving Emery time. So uh, if you actually have someone competent, they, they would give him more time. And I think Ten Hag is a builder. And I think with Saka, um, Martinelli, uh, holding, even though he's not that young, but whatever, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. young and games played and all that. Um, even Bellerin's a bit young at heart. <laughs> you know, there, you can still face out Ozil and have Ten Hag manage this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 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 can, I can see that. Now, it will take a couple of years. Like, this Arsenal team, for me, needs to understand that you might need two or three years outside of Champions League to build something. People need to look at Leicester, and they need to understand that Leicester have quietly built something in the background. Yep. If you look at Spurs pre-Pochettino, um, or even, like, they were there, thereabouts. I know he revamped the team, but it took him a bit of time. They finished fifth in his first season. Yep. Fourth the next, but even then it, it built spiraled and spiraled until he got to the Champions League final. Like you have to build patiently. Liverpool under Klopp, first season was not very good. In fact, his first season mirrored exactly Solskjaer's first entire eight months or whatever. Like Easy. it was the exact same. I'm just saying results wise. <laughs> I'm not going there. Trust me. But like there were Liverpool fans yelling for the man to get sacked. Yep. This was the truth of the matter. They're going to act like they didn't now, but they did, and the evidence is there. So these teams built something over time and Arsenal are going to need a bit more time to build something than they would. But your fans have to understand that and let the manager do his thing. Yeah. But not Emery though. <laughs> Someone else. No, no, absolutely not Emery. Uh, no, I completely, I, I don't disagree at all. I mean, you know, there has been speculation recently about Jose Mourinho. Uh, I've made my views about him very, very clear for a number of years. Um, I think he's a complete moron. Um, and it would be a very short-term opin- uh, appointment. Could could he 
lead Arsenal to, to, you know, a cup win in the next couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not kind of the point of the exercise. Um, and then I think really everyone else that, that is being linked would be, would be a long-term project. So they're looking at, you know, giving Jumberg a shot. They're looking at Patrick Vieira is allegedly one of the people that, that they consider, even though he's having a horrendous season at the moment with Nice. Then you've got Arteta, who's a perennial candidate, and then someone like Ten Hag. And any of those guys would need, you know, at least a few years. Yeah, yep, I agree. I don't think you'd be suffering, but you'd probably be fifth or sixth you know, the first year of those, of those guys. And then hopefully second year things kick on. But honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. I think we live in a society that's too instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to need time to build something. Like people are, are talking about, um, uh, what's their names? Uh, Rogers coming in to Leicester. But Leicester, all they needed was a decent manager. Like, they have the foundations and they have everything else in the background. They didn't really change things up. They weren't a club in crisis. Even under Puel, it was just boring. But exactly. they, they were eight. Like, it's, it wasn't a crisis situation for Leicester. They had beaten Man City and beaten Chelsea in the same season. So they were capable, and we all knew that. Just needed something better to bring it out. And if you look at um, Chelsea, people talked about them being in crisis and sorry and this, but they have a good squad. And they have been doing this youth development loan thing for 10 years now. So they had like something there, despite you know the rumblings that were going on. But if you look at, and we'll get to them, Arsenal and Man United, I know Arsenal have a decent squad, but Arsenal's squad doesn't actually make that much sense. Because Tierney was injured for three months, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look fit. And he's actually, his injury record at Celtic was bad. He only ever plays 20 games a season. Um, Bellerin's been injured for three years straight. Um, also, no one knows what's going on there. Aubameyang and Lacazette have contract issues. David Luiz is terrible. Socrates, as you say, is crazy. So there are so many things going on. Torreira's having a panic attack every game, and Jaka's crazy. <laughs> so you actually have a lot of issues in that squad. On paper, it's great, but it's not a functional team. Someone's got to go in, clear house, and fix that. And, and I'm not sure that that's something that someone can do in a season or two. I, I think there's a combination of things to be done there in that I think a lot of those issues you can if not blame the manager you can say that the manager certainly isn't solving them and I think there are there are personnel there that could be helped by a proper manager and there are some that obviously yeah just need to go like Socrates um but uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, it will be interesting to see whether I mean I think we're all pretty much agreed at this point that Emery will go either before the end of the season or at the end of the season but will not be renewed I mean, it would take a miracle for that situation to turn around. Uh, so we'll, we'll follow it and see yeah. what they do. Yeah, and Ten Hag would be my guy uh, for, for Arsenal. Okay. That, that, would, right. that would be my pick. Who would be your guy for the vacant spot at Bayern Munich? Right now it is filled by a man called Hansi Flick. And uh, it, to quote Ricky Gervais and his Humpty Dumpty sketch, if you are a Mr. and Mrs. Flick, are you really calling your son Hansy? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I'd, be, I'd be very hands-off on that. In that <laughs> well done. Almost anything else would have been better, but there you go. Uh, who, who do you think would be a good candidate for Bayern Munich? 
Lauren Blanc. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know what? Bayern Munich is an interesting one because they do win the league all the time. Even when they're having a crisis. We saw Ancelotti, they sacked him. But Ancelotti, they went, he, he won the league. In fact, he won the double. Same points or whatever as Pep Guardiola. And then I think the second or third season, I don't remember which one they sacked them in, wasn't going that well. And they're very preemptive, right? They don't wait for it to absolutely fall apart before they make a decision. But end of the day, they want two things, marketing and they want to win the Champions League again. Yep. So I'm going to go a little bit controversial um, with my pick for Bayern Munich based on what they want to do. For them, I say go for Jose Mourinho. You think he still, has the, he still has the ability to win the Champions League? I think that Bayern Munich's structure is so good that he will win uh, the Bundesliga easily. Yes. I mean, even as it is now, I feel like Kovac will still have won the league. I yeah. think the other teams would have fallen apart at some point and he won the league. So winning the league, he will do. I still do think that with a good team, because by the way, the team that Jose Mourinho built at Manchester United was not a good team. He built that team. Bayern Munich will not let him build a team. They will give him a team. And I think given a team that he can, uh, that is good and he can buy some players, I think he can still do some damage and has the best chance of winning Champions League over anyone else they could possibly get. And since they, are, they want short-term, you know, Pep was short-term, Ancelotti was short-term, obviously, then I would go for him on that basis, not on the basis of, you know, he's actually that, wonderful anymore but short term get me a Champions League that's your best shot for me okay I mean I mean it it is unclear what they want actually first before I go into that I will just say um I would like you to hand your your Canadian passport in please for suggesting that because uh appointing Mourinho would be the end of Alfonso Davies Bayern Munich career uh so um, uh I might make a cheeky bid (laughs) (laughs) fire sale of youth players maybe um but reports are that uh, that Thomas Tuchel, obviously Paris Saint-Germain manager, um, has turned down an approach from Bayern Munich. Um, this is not the first time, I think, that they've tried to get Tuchel. They're clearly a fan of his. Um, which is interesting, because they they've tried to get Klopp in the past, too. They clearly have absolutely no problem with stealing Dortmund's players or their managers. Um, but it does hint that they're looking for something long-term and possibly something German. Yeah, I mean, if in that case, then if that's what they're looking for, I wouldn't go the Tuchel route. I would, you know, flick, flick anything until the end of the, the season and then go with Nagelsmann. That's, that, that's what I would go for. I He's mean, been it's... linked there many, many times, so pull the trigger, go for it now. Yes, and one of the other very good reasons to go for Nagelsmann is, um, you know, beyond the, the, you know, the young marketing aspect, young coach marketing aspect, RB Leipzig are on the same points as, as Bayern Munich right now. What do Bayern Munich love to do? Steal stuff off their rivals. Yeah. Make sure that their rivals can't catch them up. If you want to do that, you take away the, the guy that is going to, I think, give Leipzig a serious chance of actually taking this title from you. I, I agree. I, I think that would be the sensible long-term option. And by the way, he's had one job and, and a half and so far done well. It, it could be a bit of a risk because he is still yeah. 
just one year older than me. <laughs> so it, it, <laughs> like, it, we try not to think about that, man. Yeah, like, it's too depressing. Exactly. So it could still be an issue. I mean, if we go back to his stats, he did a great job at Hoffenheim, but it's relative because his win record was forty percent. So uh, that's not very good. <laughs> now he's doing well at Leipzig, but mm-hmm. it could be a risk. And, and for a club that wants what they want, that's the only reason why I picked Jose over Nagelsmann for them because you know Jose's box office, no matter what what we say about him, right? So that's money, true. money, money, money—it's going to come rolling in for them. Yeah, that's that's true. Although that, that comes comes back to the question of what is it that they want? Because you know. You should. You would think that on paper, a club that big with the players that they have should, you know, want to win the Champions League. But they appointed Niko Kovac. Now, I know that there were probably other options that they couldn't get. We've spoken about how they tried to get Klopp and, and Tuchel and stuff in the past. So clearly, he wasn't their first choice. But there must have been other bigger name or you know less risky choices they could have made than Niko Kovac, who did well with Eintracht Frankfurt. Like if they're willing to take that risk then it kind of makes, you know, Nagelsmann look like not that much of a risk at all. Yeah, I think with, with Kovac and, you know, I think the, the, the thing with Kovac is they went the former player route, um, which, you know, we'll talk about again. Uh, they went that route and also it was easy. You know, obviously he is available. And I think if I remember correctly, his Eintracht Frankfurt team was half decent. Sure. Um, so it was like, okay, yeah, sure, let's do that. I mean, same win, same win percentage as um, Nagelsmann, anyway. National team coach, so whatever. I don't know. It was a bit whatever of an appointment, but I, I, I get Nagelsmann gets a lot of credit. I think a lot of it is because he's he was twenty eight when he got the job. <laughs> he he hasn't exactly outperformed other people over the course of multiple seasons, so. But 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 let's talk about that for a second because it, yes he got credit for doing it while young, but so he should do. I mean, you think about you know we're we're thirty early thirties um, to walk into a dressing room of professionals as someone who was not a football player and have authority over them um, and have authority over any of them, let alone players who are older than you, is really quite something i mean you think about your school days and there are teachers that walked into classrooms and didn't have any authority over children so the ability for someone who's just training as a coach doesn't necessarily have you know has no um right to to have you know any kind of feeling of authority over these players to to do that is actually quite special i I agree i i really do agree and it's one thing I've always thought about and thought, okay, so if he does get the Bayern Munich job and he puts Muller on the bench, then what? Because <laughs> I think Muller <laughs> is older than him. If I, oh, no, remember his same age or something like that. Yeah. You know, that, that could be – or what if, what if Lewandowski goes five games on a goal, which has never happened, but let's say it did happen, and then he benches him, like, what? <laughs> like, how does that work? So it, it, I would love to see it. I would actually pay to see it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still in the back of my mind. It's something that might be just a little bit weird. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, do you want to take a look at uh, what happened in the Premier League over the weekend? Um, yeah. Let's 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 start with. Um, well, since we're on the topic of managers, we, let's just start with Man United um, because I think we'll we'll close the loop on who should replace whom. Okay. <laughs> uh, United 
you know, we were kind of happy. Rashford scored a howitzer of a free kick, beat Chelsea, Norwich, whatever. And then Bournemouth, I went, all right, getting up, putting on my jersey. Let's do it. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And my God. (laughs) You know, funny enough, the first 20 minutes, I thought, ooh, we're going to murder these boys. Like, it was inches away from 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 happening and then uh, you know josh king scored a great goal that i'm i'm blaming i mean one Bissaka made his first mistake in my opinion for united and then loft was an absolute mug for not like being in the right position yeah um but they lost one nil and it all came crashing down all the positivity we had built up over two weeks and i've said this from the beginning the same logic that everyone has or you have about Arteta was my logic for Solskjaer. And yes, he did do well as a caretaker overall, but that's where it should have ended, if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, it's time to figure this out uh, and figure out you know, where you go from here. But unlike each and each of the other clubs, I don't want Ed Woodward making that decision. I want someone with a footballing brain to make that decision. To be fair, Woodward has been on record recently uh, and has been very clear if he's telling the truth mm-hmm. that he doesn't make football decisions. And then he came out and said that he tried to convince uh, Jose to sign Verratti and Varane. Like, what? <laughs> like, this guy makes no sense. Sorry, if that's true... He's got a better footballing brain than Mourinho. If, if, if that is also true, he has no brain because he would know that there was no way in hell they were ever going to show up. So it's the same idea as him spending a whole summer chasing Gareth Bale and Cesc Fabregas and Doug Alcantara. Like, no, buddy, know who's showing up and know who's not. You have to know your place. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I think that social needs to, needs to be replaced, but I am not willing, I'm willing to suffer unless a director of football comes in. I've said this multiple times. I cannot have one more decision in Woodward's hands. I just can't live with it because it will suck. No matter which way we look at it, it will be terrible. Now, yeah. that said, um, people are talking about Van Nassar as a director of football. That would actually suck, too, because he has no experience. He, he was no, he does. Yeah. He was marketing director at Ajax and then became CEO. So it has to be someone else. And for me, that has to be Campos at Lille or Ragnik at um, Leipzig, and he's, both of them have actually said they're interested. Yeah, I mean, Ragnik basically said, if they called, I'd take it. <laughs> yeah, and Campbell said the exact same thing. So you're stupid for not actually just giving them 10 mil and saying, come over here and run my club. I would uh, be on the phone in minutes. I was <laughs> just like... Like, like, can you read, Ed? Like, can you actually read? If you read those words, just pick up the goddamn phone. <laughs> uh, but... That aside, let's just imagine we had a good director of football. Mm. And for me, my pick is, and sometimes let's go left field, is not Ten Hag, although I like the guy. Um, but I've already said he should be Arsenal manager. But my pick is actually Marco Rose. Uh, for those who don't know Marco Rose, he's a Munchen Gladbach manager currently. Um, the guy is a young guy, 43 years of age, um, absolutely killing it. Um, he's innovative, he's young. You know, he's of that ilk of the Ten Hogs and the Nagelsmans and the uh, mm-hmm. Tuchels, let's say. Um, but his win record, and I know it's Salzburg, was 71%. Um, fantastic. Won the league multiple times. Uh, got to, I think, Europa League quarterfinal with that team before they were even anything useful. And he's taken over um, 
Gladback, 53% win record. And if I'm not mistaken, they are sitting top of the league right now. This is the guy. His name actually did come up um, as who would take over from Solskjaer when we first hired Solskjaer, as who would be the guy after we're done with the caretaker. Mm -hmm. Um, But no one knew who he was (laughs) because he was at Salzburg. And I didn't know who he was. But I would not let him go the second time around. I would would bring in Marco Rose in with immediate effect. Which would leave him with only half a season at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I mean, you mentioned this to me the other day and I looked him up and, and his win record is absurd, especially with, with Salzburg. And it looks like he's on course to kind of repeat that sort of record with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, what I would say, though, is... <laughs> Can United do the do the hipster choice from a marketing perspective? We've spoken about Bayern Munich and their marketing needs. Manchester United's are even greater. Like this is an absolutely global brand, and they were able to do Solskjaer because he's the next player. Yes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the powers that be go for someone this quiet. I think that. I agree with you on that. You can do Solskjaer because it whips up the fan base. They'll sing Ole's at the wheel and whatever. And, <laughs> and you, can, you can do some marketing around that. And in that sense, it was a complete masterstroke in, from, from, the, from the marketing side of things. Absolutely. You do all this 99 stuff and whatever, and everyone laps it up. But there are two things that Manchester United need right now. And they want to go this youth building thing, which they're spending a lot of money on doing. Um, on the back end and signing all these actually a lot of French kids and bringing them in um, and Spanish kids bringing them in. So they're planning for the future. You want someone that can do that. Rose takes that box. You say you want attacking football, quote unquote, the United way. Rose has a, at Salzburg had a plus 181 goal difference. That's bonkers. Yeah. The man clearly attacks. Okay. (laughs) Like, like this is what he wants to do. So if you want to do those two things, then you need, Marco Rose. And if you want to build a team over a certain amount of time, you don't need a big name guy. If that's what Edward is saying he wants to do, which he says he wants to do, he keeps preaching patience and all that. Then you go this route. That's what you do. You don't, even if we went for a guy like Tuchel, Tuchel doesn't do anything for anybody, like marketing wise, even Allegri, he's quiet as shit. That guy doesn't want to say anything. So uh, for me, I don't know, this would be my pick. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go big name again. We're, we're done with that. Yeah, next player. We tried it. Eh, whatever. Fair enough. I, I think I've also just worked out a way in which you can do this and satisfy everyone. I'm looking at pictures of Marco Rose, and he looks quite like Rude Van Nistelrooy does these days. Uh, so you could just say that you're appointing Van Nistelrooy, get, <laughs> and then just to have him actually do the job. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going ex-player again, I'm going Laurent Blanc. But anyway, even. <laughs> Leaving that one alone. Yes, very much so. All right, let's have a look at what else happened. Um, Aston Villa nearly beat Liverpool, and then they pulled it back in the last minute. Sadio Mane, what a header. Is this anything this guy can't do? No. Other than successfully dive? uh, It's his team, so he can do whatever he wants. Mm. Uh, You know, you knew it was going to happen. You just knew it. Like, I actually, I didn't even care because I knew what was going to happen. It's a cliche of this is how you know, championship winning teams do things and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, this weekend's going to be very important because it's City against Liverpool. 
And City also did the oh. same thing, coming back from 1-0 down late in the game to win 2-1. So both teams have momentum. Both teams are showing, in some sense, although City stepped up early, um, title form. Um, but City pulled back a 10-point lead, I think, last season. So, you know, it's this is going to be very important. Absolutely. I, I mean, City, Guardiola must be absolutely killing himself about this game because you know he overthinks everything right and yep. especially with with Liverpool games he tends to do something different tactically from what he would normally do there's always something whether it's playing like an extra central midfielder or you know three center backs and one wing back or something like there's always something a bit weird um and now he's got no center backs so he it's going to be really fascinating to see what he does against Liverpool whereas I think Klopp and this isn't to do him a disservice and say that he doesn't you know, think about things as deeply, but I think he's a bit more confident in what his, his plan A is. Because that's pretty much all there is. Also, his, he just does it. His players don't seem to get injured. Like, I mean, the good ones. <laughs> you know, Not Lalana. We don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Or, or even though Ox is scoring a lot of goals, by the way. But a lot of goals. Yeah, yeah. We don't care about that either. But Overall, the key players don't seem to get injured. Um, but that said... Um, well, Matip is out, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. But then Van Dijk plays for two men anyway, so whatever. <laughs> uh, what's interesting is these managers usually have been, you know, kiss each other's ass, hug each other and stuff. And it got a little spiky this week. Uh, Pep was talking about Mane being a diver. And um, although I don't know if he said it by name, but whatever, we know he's talking about. And Klopp got a bit testy talking about the tactical fouling of Man City. And yeah. I thought, yeah, this is, this is what I'm here for. I'm not here for... I, I want to go back to the days of Mourinho calling someone a voyeur and, <laughs> and uh, Ferguson getting Keegan to get mad and stuff. That's what I'm... And, and, and Rafa with the facts. That's what I yeah. want. <laughs> Rafa facts is, is, is a hallmark moment. But you're right. We haven't, we haven't really had any of this. It's all been very nice between not only these two managers, but pretty much all the, all the managers, especially since Mourinho left. Well, and even, even Jose was being nice. Yeah. Like, yeah, what? it's very disappointing. Um, so, you know, you're not going to get Steve Bruce playing mind games with, like, Eddie Howe. So it's got, someone's got to do it. And it looks like it's going to be these guys. Um, so nice to see a return of that, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, prediction? I think this will be a draw. I think that it'll probably be 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. I, I think that both managers will play it relatively safe. From a Liverpool perspective, as long as you don't lose, you maintain the, the gap at the top of the table. Uh, from a City perspective, as long as you don't lose, that gap is still surmountable. If City lose, it's, what, nine points? That's huge. Now, considering... Um, how many points are they up right now? Six points. Yeah, you're right. So considering that um city's defense is basically nothing uh, <laughs> yeah. should liverpool go for it a little bit yeah yeah absolutely i mean look city haven't been in brilliant goal scoring form either i mean you arguably you could say neither have liverpool in the league they have been in the champions league um and liverpool have a much better defense so yeah arguably for liverpool just go for it. You'll probably score two to four goals. And then I would trust my defense and my defensive midfielders to keep City out enough to win that game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm going for a draw in this. Uh, although if a team is to win it, I'm going for Liverpool, um, which 
will probably seal the league at that point. And as a United fan, it makes me upset. But, you know, it is what it is. 30 years is a long time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. And I, I don't think any neutral could really begrudge from this. I mean, that what they did last season was absolutely demonic. You know, they only lost one game and they lost the title by a point. They were phenomenal. And teams like that deserve to be rewarded in some way. And even though I know that a strong contingent of the online Liverpool fan base is going to be absolutely unbearable should this happen, I do kind of think it needs to happen now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just because we're running out of time, really quickly, um, who played? Uh, <laughs> Everyone. Oh no, no. I just, I just want to say, uh, Andre Gomes. That, that was a sad moment. Um, yeah. It's always sad when someone breaks their leg. Son was inconsolable. Uh, I've seen some replays of that where people are actually saying it's not Son's fault. It's actually Aurier's fault. But it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's, it's, it was pretty sad. But that aside, Spurs could not win again. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is a horrendous game. This is one of the worst games of Premier League football. You know in a long, long time. That said, uh, neither, neither team was creating anything decent. Spurs uh, went ahead, decent Eli Eli goal from an Iwobi mistake. And they were looking pretty comfortable until this incident, which obviously shook everyone up. Son, uh, you know, as terrible and, and unfortunate as the injury to Gomes was, it wasn't a red card. And we've, we've seen that be confirmed now that his red card has been overturned. Um, and going down to 10 men for as long as Spurs did, they were going to concede, especially given the kind of emotional shakeup of that moment. Uh, and they can't get those points back. Like, they can get Son back. He's no longer banned. But they were on course to win that game and win the first away game that they have in, well, since, what, January? Which is ridiculous on its own. Uh, and they got Vard out of it. So I do... Uh, there is that caveat, but... The yeah. main point the main point is though that they couldn't string three passes together. They still can't play football. They still look completely broken. And week by week it's getting harder to think that Pochettino can fix it. But And they, they may have to jump on the you know, Ten Hag or whatever train <laughs> or <laughs> you know, it's it, it's not that Pochettino is not a good manager and done a good job. It's do does does Daniel Levy have the capacity to transform the squad like it needs to? And does Pochettino have the energy to right. continue going? I exactly. think those are the two things. And they play Sheffield United, who are doing quite well this season doing um, for well. them. So, And that, even though that's at home, you, you can't bank on Spurs to win that game. And in the table, Spurs are same exact record as Man United. So it's... Yep. Oh. I mean, Sheffield United are flying. They're sixth. They're sixth, Bernie. They've lost one game and it was to Liverpool. Ugh, that's crazy. Well, they lost. Or is that, is that true? No, sorry. I, yeah, no, you're right. I think they've lost one home game uh, and that was to Liverpool. Maybe that's what I, I think. I think, yeah, I think that was it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's extraordinary stuff from Sheffield United. The other big game, uh, ooh, Leicester against Arsenal. This is going to be interesting. Oh, God. I have the king power. Oh, Jamie is going to tear Arsenal apart. You know, the, the problem with this game is, um, as we said, Arsenal drew 1-1 at home to Wolves. Pff, that should never happen. And Leicester absolutely, well, 
Palace actually were doing pretty well and they just rolled them over. Mm-hmm. So they, they are for Leicester are for real. I think we need to abandon any, yeah. any, any doubts that they are for real. Now, playing at the King Power, playing Arsenal with Arsenal's terrible defense, you should, Leicester should do very well here. But if Arsenal win, maybe it's, it's a good day. But even if Arsenal win, that doesn't mean that Arsenal are back. That's no, the sad no, no, part no. about this. If Leicester win, it confirms, because Leicester haven't done so well in big games this season. But if Leicester win, it confirms that they are truly, truly here, not just here, but to stay, <laughs> at least this season. Uh, and I think they probably will do it. I think they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, for, for context, you know, Leicester are currently, it's the same as the, the Liverpool City situation. Leicester are six points ahead of Arsenal. They, they beat them on the weekend. That's nine. That, that makes you, that puts you in a different, you know, category, different criteria. Uh, that puts them in very firmly in the top four race and, and keeps Arsenal very firmly out of it. Yep. Um, and, and it really would be impressive for Leicester. And there's nothing to say that they won't do it. Absolutely. And uh, my lot play Brighton. Now, look, I good think... Luck. Good they luck, w- man. Honestly, good luck. Brighton th- are decent this season. They're decent, but I think, I think we'll squeak it. I mean, we only win one nil anyway. So I think I think we will squeak this one. But if they don't, then Mohana's prediction of Solskjaer out by November fifteenth is probably going to happen. I don't think you can escape losing to Brighton at home. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't even think Edward would, would with his patience would let that slide. I, I, that, I don't want to get into the sorry, but I, I don't want to get into the like who should take over thing. But I do want to know who the interim manager would be. If you sack Solskjaer, uh, I know Brian McClare, I know what I would do. Um, it's he, Neil Wood who manages the under twenty threes. They he have sounds, been. <laughs> he sounds fun. Oh, here's fun. Here's funny. He's doing it with Quinton Fortune as his assistant. Quinton uh, Fortune, I like Quinton Fortune. Yeah, and by the way, the under twenty threes are. I mean, it's under twenty threes, but they are doing really, really well. Uh-oh. Uh oh, have you play, found your own Guardiola in Mister Neil Wood? I mean, maybe. Was it Neil, Neil Ryan? What's his name again? Um, but yeah, I mean, I watched those. I watched like on on United app and MUTV. I have it on here. So I watched them play and I really like what I see. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. That's what I would do. I would not go anywhere near Carrick or McKenna at that point. They've done it under Jose and failed, done it under Solskjaer and failed. So I would go the Neil Wood route. Um, right. But yeah, we will see. All right. Uh, what else have we got? Wolves, Villa, uh, Midlands, Derby. Don't really care, though. Southampton, Everton, two shocking teams uh, who will both try and get relegated in that game. Uh, Newcastle, Bournemouth. Newcastle with a 3-0 win last weekend away, which is incredible. Uh, can, can anyone predict Newcastle, Bournemouth? I mean, that's just... I don't know, want I don't want to. Chaos. Burnley, <laughs> West Ham, the, the battle of the Claret teams. Um, uh, can Burnley, I say that West Ham are a stupid team? Like, after uh, they oh, beat United, yeah, well, yeah. they were fifth, and I think just two points off City or something like that. And I think they haven't won a game since or something like that. And now they're below Man United in the table, which I did use Man United as a barometer. You should never be below Man United if you're... <laughs> like, you just shouldn't. <laughs> Can I put this game into some perspective? West Ham are 13th, Burnley are 14th, West Ham have a goal difference of minus three, Burnley minus four. In the last five games, need only... Sorry, between the two clubs, they've won one, one game. <laughs> <laughs> it was Burnley. Like, it's just. Uh, 
And this they game spent shouldn't so even be much, allowed. West Ham has spent so much money. My God. Yep. Should be illegal. It honestly should. Uh, Chelsea Crystal Palace, you would think that on this kind of scoring form, Chelsea should cruise that. Not that Crystal Palace is an easy game, but, you know. Yeah, they'll do it. And Norwich Watford, two absolutely horrendous teams right now. Uh, Norwich will try to attack and probably concede a goal on the break. I don't know what Watford do. Will Watford get a win for the first time this season? Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. I like, I still, I'm going to be amused every week that they thought replacing Javi Gracia with Kike Sanchez Flores was a good idea. My God, how stupid. Anyway, that will just about do it for the Koshcast this week. Thank you for joining us. Um, and uh, one thing I do want to say is that we haven't mentioned it for a while, but we've got a uh, soccer-based graphic novel that we are writing. Um, our friend Akil Worrell is illustrating it. Every so often, we post new updates on our Twitter page. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It's called The Academy. It's loosely based around uh, ourselves, the four Koshkos members. Very um, loosely. Very, very loosely. They have much better football skills than we do. But it's about... Uh, four young immigrants who come to Canada to pursue their dreams of playing football. And uh, Akil is a beautiful illustrator and looks very nice. Yep, yep, absolutely. Check it out. And uh, I'd be remiss if I to say that uh, this, this time next week, we hope to be... Is it next week? When's MLS Cup final, Alex? When is it? Uh, November f- 11th, maybe? 10th, I think. Okay, so that would put us this time next week. Yep. We hope to be celebrating the second MLS Cup win for Toronto FC against the only team we've ever faced in the MLS Cup, <laughs> Seattle Sounders. Yay! The Seattle, Seattle Sounders must be so sick of Toronto FC. Although, it's 1-1 in, in terms of Cup wins, so this is the decider. And I did say if the, if the um, TFC win, it will cap off probably the greatest year in Canadian sports ever. 100%. And I'm here for it. Yes. All hail Bianca Andrescu. Yup. All right. And with that, we will end it. Thank you, buddy. All right, Alex. Talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.